Blog Talk Radio. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know it? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is a, is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's august and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He is the coral necessity for spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meager. I wonder if you know him. Well, this is my king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold, his promise is sure, his life is matchless, his goodness is limitless, his mercy is everlasting, his love never changes, his word is enough, his grace is sufficient, his reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind, you can't get him off of your head, you can't outlive him, 
and you can't live without him. Yeah! 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 That's my kid! All right. Amen, 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 amen. I greet you in the master's name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, my Lord and Savior, and my God, my Elohim, my rock, my redeemer, and my God. I want to welcome you all out to another edition of the Sword of the Spirit. I'm Brother Miles, and I'm your host. I hope everyone has had a blessed week and that the Most High has richly blessed you and all that you have set your hands to in your going ins and into your comings out. Um, we are, I want to say Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Uh, if you're out there in blog talk land and pal talk land, on the Internet in general, wherever you may be, we wish you a happy uh, Sabbath and that if you have not entered into your Sabbath that you are preparing and that if you are entered into your Sabbath that you are ready to eat from the word of Yah. For truly Yah's word is worthy and Yah is worthy. So we want to be forthright. We want to be dedicated. We want to be uh reliable and dependable. We want to be steadfast in our work that we put forth before the Most High, that we present to him. Uh, Once again, welcome to the Sword of the Spirit, um, Brother Miles, and hopefully you can hear me. Uh, I'm trying a new headphone and mic out today. Uh, I pray that it is um, transmitting well. Um, for this particular episode. I have to go back and listen to the recording afterwards. We have been reading in the book of Exodus, and we are starting in chapter 16 this week. We didn't have a a, um, reading last week, um, and so we're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago in Exodus chapter 16, and we'll try to do chapter 16 through 25 this week. Uh, the most I has been especially dealing with me more and more and more uh, about uh, kingdom citizenship. And so, you know, it's like starting to um, be like fire shut up in my bones. You know, I I can't wait till, you know, I'm released to start teaching the citizenship of the kingdom in that series. So, um, all praises to the Most High. I'm going to go ahead and pray us, and we're going to read Psalm 67 for our uh, scripture reading today before we go into Exodus. And so if I can have the ladies to cover their heads and then to uncover their heads, let us turn toward Jerusalem, holy hands raised up to the Most High. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercy. We thank you for life and health and strength today. We thank you for the opportunity to once again come together to break bread and to share your Shabbat, a day of grace that you have ordained that we should be perpetually throughout all time. Father, we ask that you would forgive us our sins if we forgive those who have sinned against us. We ask that you lead us not into temptation, but that you deliver us from evil. We ask that you hold not the iniquities of our forefathers against us, for they are all gone by the way of the grave, and we are still yet here, seeking to keep your statutes, laws, and commandments in spirit and in truth. Father, you have said that your people, Israel, have walked contrary to you and that you have walked contrary to them and that they have done wickedly before you. 
And, Father, you have said that if Israel would acknowledge its sin and turn from its wicked ways and not complain about the punishment, that you would once again turn your eyes and your ears toward your people, Israel, and you would hear our supplications and our prayers. So, Father, we acknowledge that we have walked contrary to you and that we have done wickedly and that we have sinned. And, Father, we repent of those sins, and we want to turn and will turn from our wicked ways. And, Father, we won't complain about the punishment that you have put upon your people, Israel, by scattering us throughout all the nations of the world, that our prayer will be that you will once again turn your eyes and ears toward your people, Israel, and our testimony will be that this is what happens to you when you disobey the Most High Elohim, the Most High God. Father, we pray for Israel that is asleep, that you might wake them and give them an unction to come and keep your statutes, laws, and commandments. We pray for Israel that is awake, that you might give them the spirit of love, for you are love. And, Father, we pray for the seed of Abraham, that all that you should call, that they should come. And, Father, we look forward to your return. You said that it's a day that we should not pray for, Father, but this world is becoming more and more wicked and wicked, Father. And we pray that you would come and you would set your judgment upon this planet and come and set it in order that men might look towards you, the righteous king of heaven. These things I pray in Jesus Christ's precious name, Yeshua HaMashiach, amen and amen. All right, we're going to be reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 67. To the chief musician on uh, Medjinot, a psalm or a song, Elohim, be merciful unto us, and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. They lie. That thy way may be known upon the earth, thy savings help among all nations. The O Elohim, let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, that thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth, they lie. Let the people praise thee, O Elohim, let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and Elohim, even our own Elohim, shall bless us. Elohim shall bless us, all the, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Amen and amen and amen. And in our email message that we sent out this week, the question of the week was, what is the whole duty of man? And the whole duty of man is to fear God, Elohim, and keep his commandments. That is the whole duty of man, anything and everything else. Fear Elohim and keep his commandments. Amen, amen, and amen. This is the most I add a blessing to the reading here, the understanding, and the doing of his word. In Yeshua, Hamashiach, precious in my praise. Amen and amen. All right, the book of Exodus, chapter 16, starting in verse 1. And we know that uh, from previous readings that the Most High has brought Israel out of Egypt, and he has brought them into the wilderness to give them his statutes, laws, and commandments, uh, to give them his ways, and that they might be a witness unto him, that he alone, he alone is God or Elohim all by himself. So let's pick it up in chapter 16, 
And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed out of the land of Egypt. So on the 15th day of the second month after they departed. So this is the 15th, this is uh, 45 days after they have departed Egypt. They are at Mount Sinai. They're in the wilderness between Sinai and Elam. Okay. And so what I want you to take note of here while we go through the reading is the time periods. Because, see, everybody brings up the 40 years. You know, we're stuck on that 40 years. We are stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. This is true. But what was the Most High's intent for Israel? How soon after he brought us out of Egypt was he going to take us into the promised land? How much time had gone by? So right now we see that there's only, we're in the second month. And we're in the 15th day of the second month. So the whole second month hasn't gone by yet. We're only 45 days out of Egypt. So it's important that you catch. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The whole congregation, 45 days after they have left Egypt, after they have seen the Most High bring all the plagues on Egypt, destroy the Egyptian host, split the Red Sea, and they're murmuring already. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to Elohim we had died by the hand of Yah in the land of Egypt. They're wishing for death. When we sat by the flesh pot, and when we did eat bread to the full. Now, they're saying that in Egypt, they, they, they had their fill of food. So they're saying, Pharaoh fed us well. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said Yah unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. So the Most High is from the people say the Most High doesn't test us, but He does, and He proves us. He'll set a test before you to see if you will walk in His way or not. Pass it on the sixth day; they shall prepare them which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So he said, hey, every day go out and gather this bread from heaven, this manna. But on the fifth day, you're going to gather for two days. So watch. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall gather, they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much. On the, on the sixth day they're going to gather for the sixth and the seventh. My bad, I just misspoke it. As much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, at the evening, then you shall know that Yah has brought you out from the land of Egypt. Now, these people should already know this. Remember, these are the ones that witnessed everything. Not like a generation has gone by, and there's a new generation coming forth, and they didn't see everything that the Most High did. These people are 45 days out of Egypt. And in the morning, 
then you shall see the glory of Yah. But that that he heareth your murmurings against Yah, against them. And what are and what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses says, This shall be when Yah shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for for that Yah heareth your mur- your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against Yah. And see, that's what I tell a lot of people all the time. They talk against true men of, of Elohim, not realizing that they're not, they're not, they're thinking that they're addressing the man, but they're really addressing who? The most high. So they have to be very careful. Men, women, children have to be very careful what they say. We today have become very callous and insensitive and unspiritual, really, because we just see a man of Yah. We have so many uh, charlatans out there and shysters that true men of Yah, uh, people don't respect them. But at the same time, they need to be very careful and let those who are going to be shysters be shysters. The Most High will deal with them. He'll give them respect because you don't know who the Most High is dealing with. And you may speak against the Most High in your arrogance, in your uh, stupidity, and blaspheme him. So these people are murmuring against the Most High, against Yah. They're looking at Moses and Aaron and, and complaining about them, but Moses is saying already, hey, you're not, it's not me you're murmuring against. You're murmuring against God. And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before Yah, for he has heard your murmuring. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of Yah appeared in the cloud. So it's not that they are without, they're now looking at the glory of the Most High in the what? In a cloud. And Yah spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmuring of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At evening you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am Yah, your Elohim. And it came to pass that at evening the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a, a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. So this doesn't look like frost on the ground, okay? Now think about it. The Most High has caused these quails to come up for meat, okay? And now he's giving them bread from, and when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, where they would, where they knew not what it was. So manna must mean we don't know what it is. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which Yah has given you to eat. This is the thing which Yah has commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take you every man for that for them which are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more and some less, depending upon what? The number of their 
the people in their house, a bowl for every person. And when they did meet it with, a, with an omen, he that gathered much had nothing over. And they that gathered little had no lack. So when you gathered what you needed, you, had, you lacked for nothing and you had no more to waste. This is what the scripture is saying. So when they did meet it or meter it with an omer, measure it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over an omer. And he that gathered little had no lack. He didn't, you know, he didn't get a whole omer, but he didn't lack for anything. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses. They didn't listen to Moses, but some of them left off, left their office until the morning, left of it until the morning. <coughs> Excuse me. So you had, they were told to eat it all. Some of them are going to save some. You know how. And then he put some up in the morning. And the most high said that these hard-headed, stiff-necked people. But some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. He was mad. Didn't I tell you to eat it all? You won't lack for nothing. Why are you trying to save this stuff? Now, look what it's done. Now, think now, this is a miracle in and of itself because the Most High said, hey, take what you need, no more than what you need, and eat it all. Don't leave anything over. Don't try to save it. Every day you're going to go out and get new manna or new bread from heaven, and you got some that are being hard-headed. And so when they tried to save it, it rotted on them. And worms came out and it stank. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. When the sun waxed hot, it melted. So the Most High provided them to get up, go get your food. Take it in your tent. It's going to last until the night, but make sure you eat it all. Don't leave nothing for overnight on these first five days, every, every five days, don't leave nothing. Eat it all. Because if you leave it, it's going to rot. Now, think about this. You get some food. Let's say you get some biscuits. I'm going to make it this way. You get some biscuits, and you make them, and the most I says, okay, you make these biscuits. You roll this dough, and you make these biscuits, and you cook it. Now, we know they didn't have to do any of this. They could boil it and stuff like this. And you eat every bit of it because whatever you don't eat is going to be rotten by in the morning. It ain't going to last overnight, okay? And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, this is that which Yah has said. Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath. And Yah, and unto Yah, bake that which you will bake today. And seize or boil that which you will seize or boil. And that which remaineth over, lay it up to be kept until the morning. So now they got a different instruction. Gather twice as much. Gather enough for two days. 
today. Boil what you're going to boil and bake what you're going to bake and whatever you and eat what you're going to eat today and leave the rest when for what? Tomorrow. But tomorrow, that's what you're going to eat the leftovers. Every other day, you can't do this. Every other day when you do this, the manna is going to rot. But this is that which the Most High has spoken of. This is his Sabbath. This is what people need to understand about the Sabbath. The rule here is to what? Bake for two days. Don't cook on the Sabbath. So this is the first rule. Still in them that you keep the Sabbath holy, that you don't, don't uh, do servile work in it. So he's trying to train them and instill this in them, okay? And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not, neither was there any worm therein. So you know that the Most High has his hand in this. If they be hard-headed, day one through five, and they go out and they gather this stuff and they try to keep it, I'm going to make it stink. They can't eat it. They have to go out and gather. They have to depend on me every day. I am your Elohim, and I want you to learn to what? Depend on me for everything, your nourishment and everything. How many of us do that today? How many of us are going off our own strength? Very easy to do. But do you realize whatever you're doing at the most high has made it possible for you to do it? Do you give him thanks for it? So here is the concept for the Sabbath. Six days shall you gather, and on the sixth day, you're going to gather for the sixth and the seventh day. On the seventh day, you're going to rest. Moses said, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath unto Yah. Today you shall not find it in the field. So whatever they were going to eat for two days, and he says, hey, if you go outside and look for it today, on the Sabbath, it's not going to be there. The Most High is resting. He's not going to provide for you today. He provided twice. He provided double yesterday for you. And it came to pass, uh, wait a minute, verse 26, six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. Rest. Stay in your house. You have already gathered for two days. And it came to pass that, that there went out some of the people, you had to know it, these some hard-headed people, on the seventh day to gather, and they found none. And Yah said unto Moses, how long refuse you? Now, sound like the most high is mad with Moses, right? How long refuse you to keep my commandments and my law? See, for that Yah has given you the Sabbath. Yah has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he giveth you on the sixth day, the bread of two days. Abide you every man in his place. Stay in your place. How many of y'all going out washing your cars? going to restaurants, doing things that you think is right in your own eyes. He says, abide every man in his place, that no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. 
you busy doing whatever you need to do six days of the week. The most I said, the seventh belongs to me. Rest. You can't make for so much money. And then if you're not honoring the most high in it, he makes sure that you don't prosper by it anyway. So you just be working to get money. You can never seem to have enough. When times be good, and then all of a sudden, something always coming up. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like it was like a coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So this stuff was sweet. It was like wafers made with honey, naturally, because they didn't say they put honey on it. This was the natural taste of this manna like a wafer with honey on it. And Moses said, this is the thing which I commanded, commanded, fill an omer of it to keep for your generation, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a pot and put an omer full. This is what the people were supposed to gather, an omer to every man, of manna therein, and lay it up, set it up before Yah to be kept for your generation so that they can remember. And Yah commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land, to, the, to a land inhabited, that they did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. Omer is the tenth part of an epoch. And whatever that measurement is, I have those measurements somewhere. Exodus chapter 17. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandments of Yah and pitched and and refilled them. And there was no water for the people to drink. Now, wait a minute. They had no food. They had no, no meat. So they complained about the meat. And Yah sent them in quails. Then they complained about not having no bread, so they sent them manna. Now there's no water. Wherefore the people did chide and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide you with me? Wherefore do you tempt Yah? Now let's look up this word chide, chide in the Hebrew. What word is this? Because see, chide in the English sort of means to. Uh, to kid around, to play around. Let's look what this word is in, in the Hebrew. Reb, R-E-E-B is how it's pronounced, or R-I-Y-B, Reb. Or Ra, a primitive root, properly, to talk, grapple, mostly figuratively, to wrangle, hold a controversy by application to defend, Adversary. So they're they're being it's in that they're being adversarial in the Hebrew. <laughs> they're contending with Moses. We ain't got no water. Give us some water to drink. So the the English word probably would have been more so to confront, to contend with them. The abuse. Give us water. We out here, we don't have nothing to drink. 
And Moses said, why chide you or why did you contend uh, with Yah? Why did you tempt him? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses. Now, remember when they murmured against Moses before? Moses said, hey, it's not me you murmured against. I'm not providing you nothing. It's the Most High that's providing you. So if you murmur against me, you're murmuring against who? The Most High. And Moses said, wherefore is it that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? So the, the people are saying this to Moses. And Moses cried unto Yah, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. And Yah said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee the, of the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take it in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock in horror, and thou shalt smite the rock. He told him to smite it. And there shall come out water out of it, and the people may, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, I do a precept on the elders of Israel because the elders of Israel, our, our elders have lost their place. They've lost their way. And the people don't respect the elders in the way that the Most High wants the elders respected. But the elders aren't even being taught what to do. They're just sort of growing up haphazardly and learning by trial and error uh, what is right and wrong in the world, but not according to Yah. And so when we find them among the people, you know, you find that the people don't trust them. They don't gain the trust of the people, and the people um, have no respect of them. That the Most High considers the elders in Israel to be highly esteemed. They are the ones that enforce the law. They are the ones that teach the law to the people. And then they enforce it. Well, if you don't respect them and you're not listening to them um, and you can't, quote, unquote, hear them, what they're saying, then they can't enforce anything. So we have gotten way off base in Israel among our people. So he he's showing the elders so they can see that the Most High is what? Providing drink so that they can go back and also spread what? The word that the Most High caused the water to come out of the rock or out of, out of the tree or whatever it came out of. And give the people what? Faith. Help to in, in, increase their faith because they count on the elders. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because the children, of, because the children, the tiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted Yah, saying, "Is Yah among us or not?" Wow. Then came uh, uh, Amalek and fought with Israel in Phimadim, and Moses said unto Joshua, "Choose out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill." with the rod of Elohim in my hand. So we got these people coming out to fight against Israel. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, 
Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. They held his hands up. And the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And then his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And Yah said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, where I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So he says, hey, write down what Joshua did today in a book and write it for who? Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua so that he knows that the Most High is going to utterly wipe out these people by him. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because Yah has sworn that Yah will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. He's going to Joshua, people ain't going to have no peace. So whenever you come up against them, you are to put them, you are to discomfort them with the what? Sword. The Most High is doing this. People think that we serve an Elohim that, that, that is always loving and kind, and he is. But he also will set the sword to your butt and will kill you if you are not walking in his ways, if you are not doing what's right. You wonder, why am I ill all the time? Why do these things always keep happening to me and my family? If that's going on, you need to check out your relationship with the Most High. You need to come back to this book and see Israel as the example of what the Most High wants and what he will do and how he looks at us and how he reacts to us. Exodus chapter 18. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that Yah or Elohim had done for Moses and for, the, and for Israel, his people, and, Yah had brought that, and that Yah had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. So Moses, remember, he took Zipporah to, into Egypt with him, him and, her, and his son. But then he sent her back. So now he's bringing Israel back out of Egypt, and now Jethro, his father-in-law, is going to bring uh, his wife back to him with his kids. <coughs> and not only that, but he is a what? Priest. Midian. Well, who was he a priest to? Let's see. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her and her two sons, of which the name of one was Gershom, where he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. And the name of the other was Eleazar, for, Elohim, for the Elohim of my father said, was mine help and delivered me from the sword, the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness where he encamped at the Mount of Elohim. And he said unto Moses, 
I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obedience uh, or uh, obstinate. He he honored him, each other, of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that Yah had done about Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the travail that had come upon them by the way and how Yah delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which Yah had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be Yah. He knows who this is. See, when we use that word Lord and we keep it uh, generalized, we miss some things. But when we put the Most High's name there, and we see what Jethro said, Jethro said, Blessed be Yah, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who has delivered the people from under his hand of the Egyptians. Now, I know that Yah is greater than all, than all Elohim, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. So he said, in the things that the Egyptians were proud of, he dealt above them, them and their God. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrificed to Elohim. Wait a minute. You got this Midianite offering a sacrifice to the Most High Elohim? Hebrews today would have a fit. Ain't nobody else supposed to be able to do that but a Levite. Ain't nobody else supposed to be able to do that than a Hebrew. This is a Midianite. He's a priest of the Most High, and he knows the Most High's name. He's calling him by his name. He's not calling him Lord. He's calling him Yah or Yahweh. And so he makes a sacrifice to him. And Aaron and all the elders of Israel eat the bread with Moses, uh, with Moses' father-in-law, before Elohim. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning until evening. Moses, you're trying to deal with all these millions of people, coming to you with all their problems. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, because the people come unto me to inquire of Yah, inquire of Elohim. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one another, and I do make them to know the statutes of Yah and his law. So he's teaching the people almost like one by one. It's not very efficient. And Moses' father-in-law sees it. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, this thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for you. For thee, thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. You're not able to do this thing by yourself, Moses. Listen now unto my voice. I will give you counsel, and Elohim shall be with you. Be thou for the people, be, be thou for the people to, to Elohim ward that thou mayest bring 
the causes unto Elohim. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Now, wait a minute. Moses speaks with the Most High mouth to mouth. But Jethro is a priest of Midian, a priest of the Most High. And he's coming and he's instructing Moses, hey, this thing that you're doing ain't good. The way you're going about this is not the right way. Who was he telling? Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear Elohim, men of truth, hating covetousness, not wanting what their brothers got, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee. So you gather some men who are, are trustworthy, they are upright, they fear Yah, and they're not covetous, and you let them judge the people. You let them settle those matters with the people. You let them settle the matters with the people, and when they can't settle it, let those men that you chose come to you, not everybody else. So pare it down to where you can deal with, let them deal with the small things, and let them bring the big things to you. Every small matter they shall judge, so it shall be easier for you, and they shall bear the burden with you. If thou shalt do this thing, and Elohim command, and if thou shalt do this thing, and Elohim command thee so, that thou shalt be able to endure, and all these people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened and listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he said. So Jethro is a wise man, and Elohim God speaks with him. He's got some experience. And Moses, you know, Moses is doing this one one person at a time. He said, hey, this thing is that's too much for you, dude. Share the burden. Pick you out some men. Put them over this many. Ones that are 10, report to the ones that are that have 50. The ones that have 50, let them report to the ones that have 100, that are over 100. The ones that are over 100, let them report to the ones that are over 1,000. And if they can't solve that stuff between themselves, let the ones that are over 1,000, let them come to you with the matter, and you speak with them and say, hey, this is what Elohim says about it, and you go back and pass it down. But don't you try to deal with all these people. And Moses chose able men of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father and Moses let his father in law depart. And he went his way into his own land. So his father in law went back home. I got sheep and daughters to attend to. Here's your wife and your children. Let me make a sacrifice to Mosai here for for yourself and for Israel and the elders. And the Most High didn't say, no, he can't make a sacrifice. The Most High didn't tell Moses, no, he's not qualified. The Most High didn't say, Moses, this sacrifice is unacceptable. 
think that Israel is the only one that has ever dealt with the Most High, and we see a clear case here, it is not so. Jethro and his family have been at Mount Sinai forever. So we need to get past these things. Exodus chapter 19. And in the third month, with the children of Israel were gone forth. Now, here's the third month. All this stuff is happening, and it's only a matter of 15 days gone by. And in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount, the mountain of Hud, Elohim. And Moses went up unto Elohim, and Yah called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a a peculiar treasure unto me above all people of the earth is mine. Let me reread this. And I want to explain something here. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice indeed for real and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. When I research this word peculiar, it doesn't mean what it means today. Peculiar means something so precious that you would you lock it up, arm guards on it, an alarm system, you put every way you can to protect it. It's that valuable to you. That's what peculiar means. A peculiar treasure. A very what? expensive, important, treasure to me, precious to me, above all people on the earth. You're going to be a peculiar treasure to me, above all people. Now, this is a problem that all nations have with Israel. And if they really knew who they had captive, and they do know, the Most High is going to hold them accountable for what they have done to his treasure because he sent Israel into punishment. He says, hey, I was but a little bit mad at them. And you nations have taken it too far. He says, so thus you're going to pay for what you have done to his people. Israel is precious to the Most High. Very precious. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which I shall speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people. The elders, you're going to hear this, this resounding theme over and over and over again. As I say, we got it wrong. We got it. When we start establishing the kingdom of Yah on the earth, we need to set it up according to his instructions, not our own. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words which I commanded him. And all the people 
answered together and said, all that Yah has spoken, we will do. And Moses returns the words of the people unto Yah. And Yah said unto Moses, lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you. Now imagine this. The Most High says, I'm going to come unto you in a thick cloud, so they can't see me. But they can hear me, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. God speaks with him. Elohim speaks with him. And Moses told the words of the people unto and Moses told the words of the people unto Yah. Verse 10. And Yah said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them. Set them apart, that sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. So these clothes don't wear out, but they need to be clean, clean to come before the Most High. And let them wash their clothes and be ready against or on the third day. For the third day, Yah will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Now imagine, you are with them back here on Mount Sinai. You are back here in the desert of sin, in the desert of Sinai. And Moses comes and says, hey, the Most High is going to come down and be among us. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, take heed to yourselves. Warning. That you do not go, that you go not up into the mountain, or touch the border of it. Don't go up there. Don't touch the border. It's holy. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. So the Most High saying, "Hey, don't come up here on this mountain, and you see my presence, and don't even touch the what border. Because if you touch the border, you're gonna be put to death. There shall not." Any hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, stoned or shot through with an arrow. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long to the mountain. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. So these brothers who be talking about that it's okay for them to have sex with their wives on the Sabbath, and they're supposed to be presenting themselves before the Most High, that is what this is, is uh, equated to. He said, hey, you're going to be in the presence of the Most High. Wash yourself, and don't come at your wife because I'm clean. Unclean. And you can't be before the Most High unclean. But here you are unclean before the Most High doing a Sabbath lesson, teaching your wife and the kids that you unclean, that your wife unclean, that y'all before the Most High. And it's supposed to be acceptable. We do things in ignorance and think that Yah accepts it, and he does not. 
and come not at your wives. Don't don't have sex with your wife. And it and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain, and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud. So they hear these trumpets blowing, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Now you know it had to be a loud sound. Because who are they trumpeting for? Who are they announcing? What kind of what kind of majesty? What kind of splendor? What kind of uh, do you give the Most High upon his arrival? So could you imagine what kind of how long and loud these trumpets are announcing the arrival of the ever ever living Elohim, the Most High? And so these people are trembling. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with Elohim, and they stood at the neither part of the mountain. They stood at a distance. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because Yah descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. This mountain is not just uh, it's not just trumpet playing, but the mountain is what? Shaking? The, the the God of the universe, the Elohim of the universe is arriving, and it's no small thing. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and Elohim answered him by a voice, and Yah came down upon the mountain. So the people heard this, and Yah came down upon the mountain of Sinai on the top of the mountain, and Yah called Moses up to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So the people are hearing this. And he said, bring them forth so they can hear that I speak with you, and they can believe forever. And Yah said unto Moses, go down, charge the people, least they break through unto Yah to gaze. Because you know how hard-headed our people are. Don't go on the mountain. Don't go past the border. Anybody that goes on the mountain that goes past the border has to be stoned or shot through. And the Most High said, hey, Moses, go down and charge the people, least they break through unto Yah to gaze, see what I look like. And many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near to Yah sanctify themselves, least Yah break forth upon them. Let the priests wash themselves too. They can't be before me unclean. And Moses said unto Yah, the people cannot come up to the mountain of Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, set down about the mountains and sanctify it. So Moses reminded the Moses, hey, you already told us they can't come up here. And Yah said unto him, away, get you down. And thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee, but let not the priest and the people break through to come up unto to Yah, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down into the mountain and spake unto them. Now, this is a single individual, Yah, not a multitude, 
we see break forth upon them. And Elohim spake all these words, saying, I am Yah, thy Elohim, which have brought thee forth, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other Elohim before me. Now, I want you to pay attention to this because these are the Ten Commandments, the Ten uh, writings, the Ten Instructions. But these are not Ten Instructions. They are and they are not. This is a marriage covenant, okay? So I'm going to sort of, I'm going to read the verse, but then I'm going to also paraphrase it so we can kind of understand what he's saying here so we get what's going on. Thou shalt have no other Elohim before me. Think of a husband and wife. Thou shalt have no other man before me. Thou shalt make unto thee no graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, that is in the waters under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. You're only going to bow to me. You're not going to bow to any other thing, no man or any animal. In the earth, under the earth, or anywhere else, that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I am Yah, thy Elohim, am a jealous Elohim, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So I don't hate God. If you don't do what he says to do, he says you hate him. You don't love me. How can you say you love me and you don't keep my commandments? How can you say you love me and you don't do what I say do. Them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. How do you say you love me but you don't keep my commandments? We ain't under the law. We don't have to keep your commandments. We can take your name. We can marry you and do you any kind of way we want. He says, no, you can't. Thou shalt not take the name of Yah, thy Elohim, in vain. That's not saying GD. That is the equivalent of a woman taking a man's name in marriage. So you shall not marry me in vain and treat my name as worthless. For Yah will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. You say, I belong to the Most High, but I ain't got to keep his statutes, laws, and commandments. I belong to the Most High, but I can do what I want to in this marriage. I belong to the Most High, but I ain't got to keep his Sabbath. I ain't got to rest when he says rest. That's why a lot of women today don't understand the authority that the Most High has given their husbands. Even when he says when a woman makes a vow to Yah, and the day that her husband hears it, if he says no, the vow is broken. It's undone. Well, God says to rest on the seventh day, that's what he means. Rest on the seventh day. Not what day you pick. Hard-headed. Fifth name. We do these things and 
we think that the Most High just has to accept it. So these things are critical here. Thou shalt not take the name of Yah, thy Elohim, in vain. You shall not marry me in vain. You shall not take my name and dishonor it. For Yah will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is a tenet of the marriage. They shall thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of Yah, thy Elohim. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou or thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy maid manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate. Wait a minute. How are you going to go out doing all this stuff on the Sabbath? Because you say you honor the Sabbath. I keep a Sabbath. No, you don't. You're doing whatever you want to do. You're seeking your own pleasure on his day. I say this over and over and over to Christians. It is not a sin to hold church on Sunday. The problem is is that you don't keep Sabbath, and you dishonor the Most High, and he's going to hold you accountable for it. For in six days Yah made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, Yah blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. He said, this is why you keep it. In six days I created the heavens and the earth and all there therein is. And I rested on the seventh day. So you're going to rest on the seventh day to honor what I did. That's why you keep Sabbath. And that's why you rest on that day. That's why you hallow it, to remember what he did. He wants us to remember what he has done for us. These are not small things. But people take it for granted. Or we just hear, we came through evolution and try to write the Elohim of the Bible out of the book, out of existence, and replace them with a science book, with a theory. So honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Do on it what I said do. Gather, cook on the sixth day for two days so that you don't have to do it on the what Sabbath day. Go in there and warm it up. Do whatever, but you ain't got to prepare it. It's already done. Take that day and concentrate on me. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which I, thy Elohim, giveth thee. This is the first promise. This is the first commandment with promise. Honor thy mother and thy father, that thy days may be what? Long in the land. Thou shalt not kill. Should it be, we actually read, thou shalt not murder. Kill somebody without a cause. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. 
Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. See, adultery and covering your and covering thy neighbor's wife are two different things. And people don't really realize that. They think, oh, and adultery is a result of having sex with someone other than your spouse when you're married. The fornication is a result of the adultery. But I'll explain that in a different lesson. So you're not going to covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor. And all the people saw the thundering and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they moved back. They removed and stood afar off. Uh-uh, we don't want to have nothing to do with that. And they said, Moses, speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not Elohim speak with us, lest we die. We are naked a hard-headed people. Don't let him come close to us because he's probably going to kill us. You speak to us. You speak to him, you come and tell us what he said. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for Elohim has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. The most I said, I want you to, to, to fear me, that you don't break my commandments. You ever see that TV show, Feared Straight, where they take these teenagers into the prison and let them see what prison life is really all all about, what it's really like. And for some of them it works, for some of them it don't work. Because, you know, some of them think, hey, no matter what, I'm big and bad enough to, to I can vent, you know, I can uh, survive this. This ain't nothing until they get in there. Well, it's the same way that most of us saying, hey, I want to scare you straight. I want to do, show you my might so that you have a healthy fear of me so that you sin not, so that you don't transgress and break my law. Same laws that the church said, hey, they're not, they not bound by. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where Elohim was. And Yah said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you, from heaven, you shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereupon thy burnt offering, and thy peace offering, and thy sheep, and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of any hewn or cut stone. For if thou lift up the tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Most of us say, I want everything natural. If you make me an altar out of stone, you better go get some stones that you ain't got to what car. And if a tool come on them, you have polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by the steps unto my altar, 
that thy nakedness be discovered thereupon. You need to have something on to where you can't, your nakedness can't what? Be seen. So there must have been some type of dress that they were wearing, the men, uh, not a dress like a woman's dress, but I mean dress in some type of garment that uh, if they went up high, you could see up under it, and their nakedness could be what? Discovered. You say, uh-uh, you ain't doing that. You, no. Put you some underwear on and uh, cover up so that your nakedness can't be discovered when you come up on my altar. So the Most High is setting the pace for what he wants from the children of Israel. Exodus chapter 21. And I, you know, I really uh, encourage you to go back and read these chapters again and read them for context. Expectation, because this is what the Most High really wants from us. Now, these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. Thou by a Hebrew servant. Six years he shall serve thee, and in the seventh year he shall go out free. He shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then he then his wife shall go out with him. Now, these are the rules that we are supposed to have for each other, for fellow Hebrews, not just the nation of Israel, because he didn't say if any Israelite. He said if any, if you buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve you. And in the seventh he shall go out for came in by himself. He shall go out by himself, and if he were married, then he, his wife, shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and the children shall be her master, and he shall go out by himself. So can we hear this, Israel? Can we hear this world? Now, here, herein is what. This is why the world has treated Israel the way that it's treated Israel. But the, the world acts like this commandment is coming from Israel itself. Who is making these commandments? Who is making these statutes? It is the Most High. And if a servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will, know, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him into the judges unto the judges and he and he shall and he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl and he shall serve him forever. So you have a Hebrew servant that you bought. In this class there's what? Slaves. Bond servants, but you couldn't really treat them like a slave and we're gonna read that. They served you for six years, and in the seventh year, they were to go out free for nothing. And if they had a wife, and they came to you, and they both served you, in the seventh year, they did what? They went out free. But if you gave him a wife, 
when he came to serve you. And the wife didn't really belong to him. The wife still was the property of her master. And the children, every offspring that they had was the belonged to who? The master of the house. So when that man went to go to leave, he couldn't take the wife and the kids with him. Now, if he wanted, if he loved his wife, and he want, and he loved his children, and he wanted to stay, he would tell his master, "Hey, I don't want to leave. I love my wife and my children. I want to stay here for them." Then he was to have his ear bore through, his ear pierced. That's why I say there's everything that we do today has a meaning. So when a man pierces his ear, he's really saying that he's a. This is what Yah says that it means. And he has made himself a servant to this man forever. We think things don't have significance, but they don't have meaning. But Yah has said these things have meaning, and this is what this means. When you pierce his ear, he is your servant forever. And if a man sell his daughter, we can't fathom this today. If a man sell his daughter to be a maid servant, she shall not go out as the men servants do. Once you sell your daughter into slavery, into servitude, she was a servant forever, unless that man decided to marry her, whoever you sold her to. And she was not to be released but in the seventh year. If she pleased not her master, who has betrothed her, who has taken her to himself, and she shall then shall she be then shall she ask if she please not her master who has betrothed her to himself then shall he let her be redeemed to sell her unto a strange nation he shall have no power he can't sell her to just what anybody else seeing he has dealt deceitfully with her he said as a woman caught did a problem he says she hasn't pleased him. And he's saying that she, he has dealt deceitfully with her. She's done what she's supposed to do. It ain't good enough for him. He's saying, hey, he has dealt deceitfully with her. And, it, and so he's so supposed to allow her to be redeemed. He'll be brought back. And if he has betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters. So whatever the law says that a father, how he treats his daughters, that's the laws that he's going to have to treat this woman by because he gave her to his son. So she's his daughter. If he took her himself, she's his wife. He betrothed her. But if he gave her to his son, she's to be treated like his daughter. And if he take him another wife, if the son take him another wife, her food and her raiment and her duty of marriage shall not diminish. So if he's got a son, let's go back and read this again. And if he betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters. And if he take him another wife, this is the man or the son, take him another wife after he's taken this woman, the, the food, her clothing, and her duty of marriage, you can't stop sleeping with her, shall not diminish. You can't stop loving her. And if he do not be free unto her, then shall she go out free without money. 
they got to pay to come out. And he that smiteth a man so that he died shall surely be put to death. And if a man lie not, and if a man lie not in wait, but Elohim deliver him into his hand, then will I appoint thee a place whether he shall flee. So I'm just not really seeing this for what it's actually saying. Think about this. He says, if uh, he that smiteth a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. But at the same time, if a man lie not in wait, meaning that he's not planning this, but Elohim delivers him into his hands, in other words, Elohim is causing this to happen, then I will appoint thee a place whether he shall flee, where this man who's supposed to die, who took this other man's life, but Elohim delivered this man into his hand. He didn't lie and wait. Elohim said this man did unjust, and you can justly take his life, but his his family has a right to come and seek you. Then you can give him a place to go. And if a man comes presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile and with hatred, thou shalt take him from thy, mine altar that he may die. Because he did this thing out of hatred. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Most I honor thy mother and thy father. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, and if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. So if you have a, a, a male servant or if you're free and somebody steals you to put you in slavery, he says that person is supposed to be put to death. You see all the things that this country and the world has had to do to enslave Israel, and it's known, it's a known thing. All of them should have been put to death. All those that profited by that slavery, because they are complicit in it. They don't want to. They don't want to redeem us. And the Most High said that they shall not. We will not be redeemed with money. But they don't want want to treat us any kind of way right. And they took us as slaves. So, oh wait, wait a minute. Let's just classify them as not being people, not being men, not being women. They're animals. They they relegated reduce the most highest treasure to being less than animals, treated horses better, their pets better than they treated the Hebrew slaves. And the most I'm saying right here, he's going to hold them accountable for it. See, they don't want to read these laws and these commandments. But Yah will hold them accountable. You cannot forever mistreat his peculiar people, even if he sends them to be punished. You better do only what he says to do. And he said, these nations have done more than that. Let me continue. 
And he that curses his father and his mother shall surely be put to death. He said, if you hit him or kill him, you'd be put to death. If you curse them, you're going to be put to death. And if men strive together and one smite another with a stone and he die not but keepeth his bed, if he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then, then shall he that smote him be, be quit or quitted. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time. So he didn't cause him to, he didn't kill him. He said, hey, you're going to pay him for the loss of his time. And he shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. You're going to make sure that you pay his medical bills. And if a man smite his servant and his or his maid with a rod, and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. And if they put to death, he says, if they belong to you, then you need to, you're going to be punished. Notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his money. He belongs to him, or she belongs to him. If men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow her, he shall be surely punished, according as the woman's husband shall lay upon him, and shall pay as the judges determine. Now, is the most I consider this this baby, this child, as a human being? It doesn't seem like it. Her fruit departed from her, and yet no mischief followed, meaning that they didn't rape her or do anything like that. Uh, they caused her to lose the baby, but it wasn't through any mischievous act. And he said they were they were to be convicted of murder. They had to uh, pay whatever the man's husband and the judges said. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life. So if they raped her or did something like that or, you know, punched her in the stomach or something like that, caused her to lose the baby and, uh, mischievous, mischievously, then... They were to do what? Pay life with life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Burning for burning, wound for wound, and stripe for stripe. If a man smite the eye of his servant and the eye of his or the eye of his maid, then it perish, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. You blinded him, let him go free, because you blinded him. You took his sight in one eye. If he smite out his manservant's tooth, for his maidservant tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. So you couldn't harm your, your servant like that. You couldn't permanently damage them. Sometimes you say, hey, they might need to ride sometimes. They might be getting out of hand, but you can't permanently damage them like they were doing us. They were not only smiting out our eyes, chopping off our feet, half of them, hobbling us, whipping us and, and scarring our back to where it was unrecognizable. The most I said is you were supposed to let those people go free. No, they kept us in perpetual bondage. The most I is going to hold them accountable. If an ox gore a man or a woman that they died, then the ox shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten. 
but the owner of the ox shall be quit. He shall be acquitted. You, you can, the ox killed the man, you can kill the ox. Can't go after the owner. But if the ox were want to push with his horns in times past, and it has been testified to his owner, and he has not kept him in, but, but he, that he has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. His owner was what? Irresponsible. You've been told that this that this critter of yours, like chasing people and like goring them, like pushing on them with his horn, and you didn't do anything about it. You didn't you didn't confine him. The ox is going to be stoned, and so are you. Both of you are put to death. If there be laid on him a sum of money that he shall give for the ransom of his life, whatsoever is laid upon him. So if they say, hey, you can get out of this uh, for whatever amount of money, then he can ransom his life that way. If he didn't have the money, then he's going to be put to death. Whether he have gored a son or have gored a daughter, according to the judgment shall it be done unto him. If this ox shall push a manservant or a maidservant, he shall give unto their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. If a man shall open a pit, if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good and give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be hid. And if a man's ox hurt another that he die, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money of it. And the dead ox also they shall divide. For it or if it be known that the ox has given has pushed in time past and his owner has not kept him in, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead shall be his own. So the most I said, hey, these are my judgments, and this is how you're going to righteously judge. Uh, it'll be righteously judged. Okay, let me continue here. So he said, hey, if the ox kills another ox, then, hey, the ox that's, that, and it's known that that ox, the one that killed, uh, was uh, was uh, known to push, then he said, hey, uh, his owner has not kept him in. He should surely pay ox for ox. And the dead shall be his own. So your ox killed my ox. Then I'm going to take your ox and you get the dead ox. Exodus chapter 22. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it and sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. This is the penalty. If a thief be found breaking up, and be smitten that he died, there shall no blood be shed for him. If you get caught in the act of stealing, in the act, and you get killed, somebody kill you, he's saying, hey, nobody can come and avenge that blood. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood, there shall be blood shed for him. For he should make full, uh, for he, the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. For he should be, for he should make 
full restitution if he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. So you could you could be uh, sold into slavery to pay back your what debt. If the thief be certainly found in his hand alive, if the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be an ox or an ass or a sheep, he shall restore double. So he stole it. He didn't get caught stealing it, but he got caught with the stolen goods in his hands, and he's supposed to repay what? Double. If a man shall cause a field or a vineyard to be eaten and shall put in his beast and shall feed in another man's field, of the beast of his own field and the beast of his own vineyard shall be shall he uh, of the beast of his own field and of the beast of his vineyard uh, shall he make restitution. If fire break out and catch uh, catch in thorns, so that the stature so that the statutes or the stacks of corn or standing corn or the field be consumed therewith, he that kindles the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, if the thief be found, let him pay double. If the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judge to see whether he put his hand unto his neighbor's goods, take any part into this. For all manner of for all manner of trespasses, whether it be for ox or for ass or for sheep or for raiment or for any manner of lost things which another challenge to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judge. And whom, and whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. If a man deliver unto his neighbor an ass or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep and it die or be hurt or driven away, no man seeth it. Then shall an oath of Yah be between them both. That he that has not put it, he that has not put his hand unto his neighbor's good, and the owner of it shall accept thereof, and he shall not make it good. So let me reread that. If a man deliver unto his neighbor an ass or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep, and it die or be hurt or driven away, no man seeing it, then shall an oath of Yah be. Uh, then shall an oath of Yah be between them both, that he has not put his hand unto his neighbor's good. I swear before Yah, I have not touched your 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 animal. And the owner of it shall accept that oath, and he shall not make it good. The man who the stuff was stolen from or got driven away, he shall not make it good. He don't have to repay that. And if it be stolen from him, he should make restitution unto the owner thereof. If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for witness, and he shall not make good that which was torn. The wild beast got this. I, you know, I can't, I can't be held responsible for that. And if a man borrow out of his neighbor, and it be hurt or die, the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. But if the owner thereof be with it, he shall not make it good. If it be an hiring, a hired thing. It came for his hire. So you brought your ox uh, to help me move some logs, and the, the animal died by performing the job. Your hire is what the animal's worth. 
whatever it was, because you were using it as that. If a man entice a maid that is not betrothed and lie with her, he shall surely endow her to be his wife. And if her father utterly refuse to give him, give her unto him, he shall pay money according to the dowry of virgin. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Now, whatever the this man has, what did he do? He enticed this woman. And she is not betrothed, and he left with her. He lied with her. Now, the law is going to further say that he's supposed to be killed. But she's not married. So he can try to betroth her. If the father refuses, then he's got to pay a price for this woman. And usually the, the, the dowry was to help take care of her. Uh, she probably wasn't going to get married after that point. Whosoever lies with a beast shall surely be put to death. You got all kinds of people out there today lying with dogs and everything else. And the most I said, hey, those people are supposed to be put to death. He that sacrificed unto any God, save unto Yah only, he shall utterly, he shall be utterly destroyed. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, we have a commandment of us that we don't vex a stranger. This is why most of the nations want to say, hey, we keep the ten. They don't want to keep all these other ones because they know that it holds them accountable, but the Most High is going to hold them accountable. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, unto Yah, I will surely hear their cry. And any man, any wrath, and, and my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. Widows and the fatherless say, hey, if you vex them, and they cry unto him, you're going to be killed, and your wife is going to be made a widow, and your children are going to be made fatherless. So now they're going to be what? Exposed to the same thing that you just were taking advantage of. Now they are now they are exposed to it. If you lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as an, a usurer. Neither shall thou lay upon him usury. In other words, you don't loan the money with, with any interest on it. If thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment, the pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down. For, there, for that is his, cover, his covering only. If it is his raiment for his skin, wherein shall he sleep? It shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. Thou shalt not revile the God or curse the rulers of thy people. Thou shalt not revile the God, the rulers of thy people. Now, this, the gods here are those people who are put what, in power and authority. That's what a God is. And so let's talk about this word God for a minute. It says, thou shalt not revile the gods. And then it says, nor curse the rulers of thy people. Gods, in this sense, is anybody who is given power and authority. It says, don't revile them. 
Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruit or thy liquor. The firstborn of thy sons thou shalt give unto me. The firstborn belong to all the firstborn that break the matrix belong to who? The most high. Likewise shalt thou do with thine oxen and with thy sheep. Seven days it shall be with the dam. Thou shalt give it to me. You shall be and you shall be holy men unto me. Neither shall ye eat any flesh that is torn of beef in the field. You shall cast it to the dogs. So if it is killed by wolves, you can't go and say, oh, I'm going to go ahead and still eat this. You must have to know. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Not uh, put... Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Don't get involved with that stuff. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. So remember when they used to get these, these lynching mobs? And they're going to go and hang this man, whether black or white, whatever. He said, hey, don't do that. Neither shalt thou constantly neither shalt thou uh, consonance a poor man in his cause. So let's look at this word consonance here. There's the Hebrew word hadar, a permanent root to swell up, literally, figuratively active or passive, by implication to favor or honor, or be high or proud, passive, crooked, place glorious honor, put forth. For neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause. Nor honor him, don't favor him, don't be high or proud in his cause. Now, why is that? Because he's in that condition because the most high is dealing with him. If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help him, help with him. Thou shalt not rest the judgment of the poor in his cause. So, again, don't come against them. In this case, rest, stretch, spread out. Ramification to bend away, include moral, uh, include mortal, moral deflection, using a great variety of applications as follows. Afternoon, apply, bow down, carry aside, decline, deliver, extend, go down. So, he said, hey, don't lengthen their burden. Don't you do anything to, to lengthen it. Don't wrestle with them in it. Keep thee far from a false matter. And the innocent and the righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. And thou shalt take no gift 
for the gift blindeth the wise and perverted the words of the righteous. In other words, don't be bribed. And thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, seeing you were strangers in the land of Egypt. In six years thou shalt sow the land and shall gather in the fruits thereof, farming laws. But the seventh year thou shalt let it rest and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat. And what they leave, the beasts of the field shall eat. In like manner thou shalt deal with thy vineyard and with thy olive yard. Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest that the oxen and the ass may rest, and the son of thy handmaiden and the stranger may be refreshed. In all things that I have said unto you, make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of your mouth. You should not be mentioned in the names of these other Elohim, these other gods. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in a year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread, thou shalt eat, Unleavened bread seven days, and as I commanded thee in the in the time appointed in the month of Abib, for in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty, without an offering. And the feast of the harvest, the first fruits of the of thy labors which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year all thy males shall appear before me. Shall appear appear of uh, three times in the year all thy males shall appear before Yah thy Elohim. Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring unto the house of Yah thy Elohim. Thou shalt make no season. Thou shalt not see the kid in its mother's milk. Now, how they how people get that you don't mix meat with dairy uh, makes no sense to me out of that. Seeing that Abraham offered a lamb with milk and butter to the Most High as a meal, all of a sudden we got some people who this really is not their book. Trying to interpret and say, hey, don't mix dairy and milk. Uh, no, that's not what that means. Behold, I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee unto the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. So there was this angel that was going before, this messenger going before. Now, who is the messenger going before them? But if thou shalt shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy of thine enemy and an adversary unto thine adversary. For mine angels shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hevitites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hebavites. and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Now, this angel is going to turn out to be Joshua. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do, do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. 
So he's giving the children of Israel their marching orders concerning these people. And you shall serve Yah your Elohim, and shall bless thy bread, and he, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will make sickness away from the midst, and I will take sickness from the midst. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren. In thy land, the number of thy days I will fulfill. They say, hey, if you keep this, everything in the land is going to be fruitful. The women, the animals, the livestock, the the uh, crops growing in the field, everything is going to be fruitful. And I will and I will take the sickness from among you, and I will send my fear before thee. And will destroy all people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs on thee, unto thee. In other words, they're going to be running. And I will send hornets before thee. This is what the Most High uses to, to fight with. It's always nature. I will send hornets. Because what you going to do with a, with a, with a, what you going to do against nature? Especially in, uh, the magnitude in which he brings it. But could you imagine a whole hive, just thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands, a million, and millions and millions of hornets coming for you, and they're stinging and biting? You running. I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hittite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before thee. And I will not drive them out from before thee in one year. Least the land become desolate, and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. So I'm not going to drive them out so fast that you leave a, a void, and the animals come up and what? Become wild. Or wild animals take over. By little by little, I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. And I will set my bounds from the Red Sea even unto the Sea of the Philistines, the Nile, and from the desert unto the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. Okay, we're going to stop there. We didn't get quite get through to 25. We'll start in 24 next week. I'll make a note of it. Uh, I hope that something was said or read that... Uh, might encourage you, that might enlighten you in this reading tonight, Exodus 24. And go back and read and understand that what God is saying to the nation of Israel, he is saying to all people. Because if you come into Christ, Christ is the king of Israel. You are bound by those laws. By his standard. Doesn't matter whether you are Hebrew by by birth or whether you are brought in. These things apply to you. So next week we will start with Exodus chapter 24. Uh, in the new year, I think I'm going to cut the show down to an hour, so I'm going to have to do it a little bit different. Uh, because I know most people's attention is only about 45 minutes, uh, but we want to be, you know, we want to make it fruitful for people and, and to where people can listen and and 
maybe even uh, we'll open up. I might do maybe an hour and 15 or an hour and 20 minutes so people can call in and ask questions. With that being said, I hope something was said to you to encourage you in your walk, to make you uh, want to follow after Elohim. Okay. On next week, we will start again with Exodus chapter 24. Until then, be good to one another. Peace and blessings.